after for all. It's the podcast I with can't comedian hear. Nazareth. Oh, I can hear. Oh, okay. Hello, hello, hello. This is Nazareth, and welcome to the Laughter for All podcast. Uh, it is Monday, and uh, I just I just came back. I came from the airport. I was uh, in Sacramento, California. Uh, fly, I flew back this morning. Actually, I was on Saturday night. I was doing a show near San Francisco. It went great. And then the next day, I did a show to help uh, New Missions, which is a, a ministry that helped kids in Haiti. I've been to Haiti and I've seen the poverty. So we did a concert for them. And then this morning, I got up at 5, drove about an hour. Or it should be an hour. It was two hours with traffic and rain. It always rains when I have to get to the airport. It doesn't matter. I can be in the Sahara Desert and uh, it still will rain. And we, you know, so made it on time. And at the airport, one of the trains was not working well. So it was it was difficult. But I made it here and I'm excited to be here with you guys. And, you know, this last week we remembered September 11th. And uh, to me it means a lot because... Uh, I remember, I need all of you remember what happened, when it happened, where, where, where you were. Well, I was living in, uh, I was living in Newport Beach at the time, and I remember mom coming upstairs and waking me up. Wake up, wake up, America's on fire, America's on fire. I, I thought like the stove is on fire or the kitchen, like America's on fire. So I came down and, you know, you see the first plane, the second plane, I didn't see the first one. And the second plane, all of a sudden, you know, I felt like every American's like, wow, what's going on? It's a shock. And then you hear of these people dying that many, it's just shock. But then there was another factor to, to me is I'm a comedian. I'm a Middle Eastern comedian. Uh, what do I do? Is my career over? Is, uh, is my life, you know, is, and then you hear of people attacking Middle Eastern that day is like, okay, it's over. And that fear came upon me, and I was very afraid. And, and I know the, the Lord said, Naz, don't worry about it. Just go out and tell people how much you love Jesus and tell people how much you love this country. And I started something called the, uh, the Proud to be an American Tour. And for three years, we, we toured the country. I had my opening act with Brittany Cole, the artist and the music artist. And uh, my feature act was... Uh, an illusionist by the name of Jared Mack. He's a pastor now. And we did. We, we fill up like 1200 theaters, theaters. And, uh, at the end of the event, we take the proceeds from the products and give it to a family that they lost a loved one in Afghanistan or Iraq. So it was a great thing. But the reason I share this is 10 years later, I get it invited. I get a call from Ramstein Air Force Base and they want me to come to Germany and I said, hey, we have a thousand airmen that want, want to see you. I'm like, are you trying to deport me legally here? <laughs> and they go, no, no, really. These some fans, they want to see you. They want to laugh. So I went and I, and so I did comedy for a thousand airmen and the next day they had this me, uh, memorial for the September 11th. So they did it out in the, one of the runways it's huge. Ramstein is huge. And all the generals from uh, NATO and from Europe were there. And the head for a uh, general was from the U.S. He was uh, the head guy. And they sat me next to him. So we did the national anthem. We're standing there. I'm, you know, I'm just, it's surreal for me. I was just, I'm standing there. We're doing the national anthem. They're folding the American flag. And then, then and then they started 
doing the German uh, anthem and they were folding the German flag and it took forever. So I leaned to the general and I go, aren't you glad they don't fold your laundry? And you should see a four-star general trying not to laugh. He's shaking. And then after we're all done, he goes, don't do that. If only they saw me laughing during the German anthem, what would happen? I go, I'm sorry. It's just funny. And I was thinking, like, wait, 10 years ago, I was afraid that my career is over, that I will not be accepted. And now I'm standing there, and there are thousands of, you know, troops. And I'm standing there next to the highest general. So just want to encourage you because sometimes we get afraid and we're always afraid. But the biggest fear sometimes, I know the biggest fear in life is fear of public speaking. And number two is death. So now I'm, I'm a public speaker, so I'm not afraid of that. And uh, I'll share a story before I introduce my next guest because it's perfectly fitting. Uh, you know, some of you know this, my dad. My dad was 66 years old when they found that he had... Uh, he had some kind of anemia and where he could, you know, he needed blood. So I would take him every two weeks, fill him up with blood, and he'll be fine for two weeks. Then we have to go back, do refills. I use, always used unleaded blood for him. Uh, so we did all that. And then the last time they said, hey, we can't give him anymore. I'm like, why not? They go, his body won't take it. I go, so what's going to happen? They said, oh, his organs will be shutting down. Eventually he will die. Like, oh, no, you can't do that. They said, that's what happened. So my dad was in the hospital. Then he went to a hospital, you know, a hospital where they college hospital in Costa Mesa where they wait for him to die. So I started praying that God would take him, that God would take my dad so he doesn't have to <coughs> feel the pain. And so I remember the doctor, uh, one time I had to do a show. And I said, Dad, please don't die. I have a show. I'll be back. Don't die till I get back. So I went, did my show, came back. It was one in the morning. And the doctor that was uh, at, at that shift, he said, don't worry, he's not going to die. I go, man, I, I'm praying that he would die. And the doctor gave me this dirty look. What are you talking about? I go, you know what? I don't want him to be in pain. So anyway, he goes, don't worry. So I left. About an hour later, I get a call from that doctor. He goes, I'm sorry, your father died. I go, oh, yeah, praise God. He goes, what? I go, praise God. He goes, oh, whatever. So I go to the hospital. And I've seen my my dad just laying dead in the, in the bed, so peaceful. And I sat down, and they said, we're waiting for the mortuary to get here. So I, my dad's laying there peacefully. I'm reading the book of John. Um, I have my Bible with me, and I'm reading. I'm thanking God for my dad and all that. And all of a sudden, my dad started moving. And I was like, what, what, what? What, first Lazarus, then me, my dad? Uh, what? So I get I run out of the, you know, in the hallway. I was like, doctor, doctor, my dad is still alive. And the doctor looks at me and goes, I thought you want him dead. I go, no, no, he's moving. So he comes into the room and he goes, oh, no, your dad's still dead. It's just the nurse forgot to turn off this mattress that moves his body so he doesn't get bed sore. And it, was, it was one of those funniest. It's funny. It was funny to me. See, comedians... We laugh when things happen. People say, you are insensitive talking about death. No, we're not. This is how we react. Singers, when they lose a loved one, they start singing a song about it. Poets will write a poet. Comedians, we think of jokes. Why? That's how we respect. So this whole podcast today is talking about death and dying and all that. And if you don't think that's funny, that's fine. We're not making light of it. 
we're humans, but as a Christian who knows what's going to happen at the end, I think it's more comforting. So my guest today is a funeral home director, and he's a very, very good friend of mine. But before I introduce him, I want to play a, a few minutes, two minutes of a comedian, uh, a friend of mine. His name is John, and John uh, talks about, uh, you know, his dad's dying. So uh, let's play it, and then we'll introduce Chris officially. My dad died when I was nine years old. It was very traumatic. I still remember it like it was yesterday. It was a man in a suit. He came to our door, and he knocked on the door. We answered. It was nighttime. I'm sorry to tell you this, but he died about an hour ago. An hour ago? What, did you stop for dinner on the way here? A lot of thoughts go through your head when you lose a parent, especially when you're young. Like, who's going to take me to McDonald's? Um, who's going to take me to the park and not know how to fly a kite? Who is going to teach me how to shave? My mom? I was like 35 years old before I realized I'm not supposed to shave my legs. I still remember getting those awkward phone calls after my dad died. Are you the man of the house? I am now, apparently. One of the biggest things I remember after he passed away is people saying, I'm sorry. They'd say, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Why are you saying you're sorry? Did you kill him? They said he died of a heart attack, but I suspect foul play. Why do you suspect foul play, John? I watched a lot of Magnum P.I. in the 80s, and I always thought, this must be conspiracy. Parents aren't supposed to die. Every time I saw people out and about, they looked a little bit like my dad. I'd say, that's my dad. I knew this was a conspiracy. And the thing is, it was hard for me to believe that he was dead. He was so healthy. He had a very strict diet. Every day he ate the same thing. Ice cream and beer. And for dessert, <laughs> a cigarette. Apparently, his left ventricle didn't care for that diet. I remember getting the mail and, and looking at the envelope and it said his name on there. Like, how am I supposed to deliver this to him? He's six feet under. I'm sorry to tell you this, American Express, but you're going to be waiting a while for this payment. Do they have a grace period for people that are dead? So people like ask me, like, what was it like to lose a parent when you're a kid? It's a lot like the movie Home Alone, except the parents never come back. Your dad had such a big heart. Yeah, he did. Cardiomyopathy. What, these are your words of comfort? What, are you going to talk about his fatty liver, too? I'm nine years old. Give me a break. <laughs> <laughs> that was comedian John Campbell. And just to give you an example how we, we, can, we can talk and we can joke about that. But my guest today is a personal friend of mine. We've been to Israel twice together. I know him. I know his family very well. We attended the same church. Uh, he is one of the most cheerful people that I know. He is a fun guy, and he's also a funeral home director. Let's welcome Chris Miller. Thank you for being on the show with us. Thank you, Diaz. Thanks for uh, giving me the opportunity to be here today. Oh, it's awesome. You know, uh, nobody interviews uh, a funeral home director, but I'm sure people have questions and have that. My first question, like, why this field? Because I know Benjamin Franklin said, but in this world, nothing can be said to be certain except death and taxes. Yes. Why aren't you an IRS agent? <laughs> I think that's worse. That's worse than yeah. that. Because, you know, being being a funeral director, I find it rewarding. Because, you know, an IRS agent, that's not rewarding. But right. I have the opportunity to help people in their deepest, darkest times of need. 
And so for me, that's why I find that rewarding. Mm. It wasn't always me. You know, I, I grew up in this business. My parents bought the funeral home here in Corona back in 69, and I just grew up. So coming home from the hospital, I only knew living in a mortuary. I lived there till I was six years old. Wow, you actually lived next to it, like next door to no, it? I lived in it. In the mortuary? Yes. So there were dead people sleeping, not yeah. next to you, but in the same facility? Still, yep, in the room right next door. And you weren't scared? Uh, Sometimes. Have I you won't. ever watched horror movies? No, I don't. I don't, <laughs> I don't like them. <laughs> that would be bad. <laughs> I know. It is. Oh, so six-year-old, and yeah. so you've seen dead people at age six and seven? I've seen dead people. Was your dad using you to help him? Yeah. I started uh, when I was 13. Doing what? Uh, going out on what we call first calls, going out and, and bringing the dead people back to the mortuary. You were 13? I was 13 years old. Were there laws against child... Uh, that was family business. It's family business. Yeah, and yeah. plus that was back in the seventies. Plus, rules. he's dead. The guy is dead. What are you? Who's, compl- who's, gonna <laughs> who's complaining? Who's going to tell? <laughs> oh, wow, interesting. So, uh, is there a school for that? Is this you go to college of mortuary science? Yeah, you do. <clears throat> I I went to a school at Cypress College, uh-huh. and they have a mortuary science program. So I I, I had already had my bachelor's degree from Cal Poly Pomona, mm-hmm. but I after. Uh, wanting to come back into the family business because I wasn't always in the family business. I was as a teenager, but then I went away to school, college, and wanted to pursue my own dreams and careers. Which is? Which was uh, being in hotel restaurant management. I wanted to become a chef and a cook and just serve people, you know. Um, and and I'm, I'm still serving people today. I know. But in a different way. Yes. See, we always, you know, you're you're thinking you're serving the family of the deceased. Yeah. We're thinking, you know, you were from hosting people in hotels to now they're dead. That's right. So, yeah, <laughs> I got a room for you. Uh, we, that's right. We we make a space for them. Okay. And then what what made you change your mind? Well, at the time back in the eighties, my parents were thinking of retirement and selling the funeral home, and I didn't want them to sell it to the corporations mm. because they take the personalization out of it. And so I decided to go back into the family business. And so that's when I went back into mortuary school and got my degree in mortuary science. So then I could become a licensed funeral director and an embalmer and work there in the funeral. And they teach you literally how to do it. So they had dead bodies, yeah. uh, corpses. Yeah. They, they, they bring them from the Los Angeles morgue to our school there. And we were able to work on them and, and they showed us how to, start doing the preparations and things there in the college. You know, I've never seen any, like, you know, I remember when my aunt died and you guys were so kind. It was amazing. That's the personal touch. You feel like it's one, it felt like it was one of your family members when you guys did at Thomas Miller. So that was amazing. But it's funny. Like, so, so so, do some people fail? Like, you you can't, you can't be a mortician. I don't think it's cut out for everybody. You know, and when going to school, you see all sorts of people coming into the to the school, and I don't know if everybody's really cut out to be in the funeral business. You know, I didn't think I was at first until I I realized I was serving people in the restaurant business, and I'm like, you know what, I'm still going to serve people and get more reward out of it. But there are some people I think in it for the wrong reasons too, and you have to have a heart. I think mm. you have to have a heart to help wanting to help people. Right, because that's and, the hardest moment. Yeah, it's, and it, and for me, it's also a ministry. You know, it's you minister to people too, because we, we deal with all sorts of religions in our in our industry too. So, when we're going to school, we have to learn about all the different faiths and 
Like for customs. example, like what? What? Like uh, I know the Muslims have to bury him right away. Yep, um, the Muslims and the Jews have to go within like twenty-four to forty-eight hours. So we have to expedite those types of things. But then we we deal with uh, Buddhist and Hindu families, uh-huh. and they have uh, a lot of traditions with cremation. So we own and operate our own crematory at our funeral home in Corona, and so we're able to now. Um, serve their families too they used to have to drive all the way to orange county but now they can stay here in the city of corona so you have a crematory we See, i'm sorry i'm not from this country i used to mix creamery and crematory <laughs> like they say cold stone creamery i'm like cold stone that means it's a where they, it's a, it's the stone they put on the dead you know yeah, the slab oh, it's a slab <laughs> so cold stone creamery crematory i used to call it cold stone oh. crematory but that's a, like you know there should be like i know yours is called thomas miller mortuary and crematory yes. yeah you know there's names like you know it should be called like smart and final that's a good name for a funeral. <laughs> or uh, w- w- what do you call it? They have, uh, you know, yeah, uh, smart and final. <laughs> they have cold stone. <laughs> and, but uh, so what is, okay, other than, the, okay, so mo- the Muslim and the Jews, they got to bury them right away. Yes. The, the Hindus, they want to cremate a certain yeah. way. If, uh, like, like Filipino traditions, they want two or three days ceremony. So instead of, so, and sometimes they'll want to take them to their home so we can bring their loved one. Once we do the property, we can take the casket and the body back to the home. To their home. And they'll have their prayers two or three days before we do the burial. So sometimes people want a, a longer service, you know, where the others want them very quickly. But don't they have to keep them cold? No, not with the embalming. We don't, oh. if you're, if the body's embalmed, we don't have to have refrigeration. We recommend that they stay in a cool area, but they don't have to be refrigerated. Now, uh, do you who puts the makeup on the people? Well, I you I, do. I, I I'm licensed to do that. You're like oh, you have to be licensed. You to have to be licensed to do that. <laughs> you can't just come from Sephora. I can't, I can't just have you come in off the street and do makeup. Hey, let me let me try it. How about the, you get people from the beauty college to the mortuary well, and well, they. It's, it's part of that. When we go to mortuary school, we take a, a whole semester on cosmetology and, and actually restorative art. So if somebody's in a really bad accident, we can reconstruct. Oh. Like, you know how in the movies, that, how they make things look bad? Yeah. Well, we make things look good from okay. bad. But do you want to open the casket when they're in an accident? Sometimes, yeah. They I do mean, want that? We're, we're here to make sure people have a positive closure. And if people didn't get to have that opportunity to say their goodbyes... And they were in a really bad accident. Mm. It, that's our job of trying to put them back to the way they were. That's amazing. That's, yeah. You know, I remember when my dad died, we did a closed casket. Uh, I don't know why, but I mean, when I looked and they put the makeup, he looked good. Yeah. Like, do you guys, do you have to be dead for you guys to work on making him look pretty? I only do makeup if you're laying down. <laughs> <laughs> so anybody who's laying down, you guys can yeah. boom. I did, I did my daughter's hair. When, I, used to do, <laughs> I used to do her ponytails in, in nursery school. <laughs> You ask Reagan. I used to do her hair. <laughs> oh, I love, I love Colin and Reagan, and uh, they were in Israel with us uh, last time. And yeah. uh, so, what is is there's a new what do you call it, like the new technology now in uh, in in, in uh, what do you call it in. Uh, I lost the word. Like with the, with the new more, you know, embalming and stuff. Yeah, there's there, a new. Well, technology. there's a thing called resumation. It's using alkaline. It's instead of cremation, like burning people with fire, uh-huh. they're burning them with alkaline and lye, so they melt the body away. 
Oh, I see. With a hot hot water and lime solution. So if people are afraid of fire, they can use uh, hot lime water and it just dissolves the body. Okay, so they don't have to have the yeah for the environment. Yeah, it's more of a, a yeah kind of a green alternative. Yes. It hasn't caught on here in California. It's it's kind of big in Colorado right now and in, in in the Midwest. I think in Ohio, there's a couple states that do it, but it's just starting out right now. But what about people who are talking about uh, what do you call it? Now they can take make a tree out of a person. Oh, oh green burials. Green burials. Yeah. So when people are cream after they're cremated, we have their ashes. So we can put them in in containers where then it's for, becomes almost like a fertilizer. So then they people can be, become a tree and planted as a tree. We've had people made out of diamonds. You know, you your your wife Maha would be worth more now as a diamond later on after she dies. You can make someone into a diamond. I can make you into a diamond. Wow! I know I have an 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 uncle who was very like sour, so he can make into a lemon tree or something. <laughs> Perhaps. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. I mean, it is interesting because uh, do we have any callers who are asking? Not yet. I told them to call a okay. little bit later, but uh, uh, you know, with the whole thing of uh, the like one time I was I have a friend who called me he goes Nazareth my brother just died mm-hmm. I want you to come and do comedy at his funeral mm-hmm. I go really he goes yeah he loved laughing he loved you uh-huh. so can you come and do comedy it's like okay you know if the family wants that I'll go there yeah so there were like 150 people and they cremated him already and uh-huh. he had him in a little vase uh-huh. and then the guy that was doing the worship he was sitting down on a stool and he had a, a big foot. And every time he was singing, I can only imagine his foot gets so close to the vase. <laughs> and I'm sitting, I can only imagine what's going to happen. <laughs> and then I went up and did like 30 minutes of comedy. And his mom, you yeah. know, was laughing. Uh-huh. And that's that that's... was just amazing. Now, is there ones that harder than others? Like I, if they're younger or baby... You do have a caller now. Sorry to interrupt. No, no, that's fine. This is our uh, our producer Sean Kelly. Let's take uh, let's take a call and sure, we'll continue absolutely. That Who do we have on the line? Hi, this is Chris Rosetti from San Francisco. Hi, Chris. How are you? Oh, I'm doing fine. I'm so glad you have this guest. I've got a, a lot of questions for him. Shoot oh, him. Boy. Shoot okay. at him. Go ahead. First, first of all, my name's Chris as well. Nice to meet you, Chris. Hi, pleasure. Um, have you ever heard of a city called Colma, California? Yes. Yeah, Colma, if, tell Naz what it means because Colma's quite interesting. It's so expensive in San Francisco that they dug the dead up and moved them. Tell them about that. <laughs> I, 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 well, I don't know about the history of Colma, but I know we work with a company uh, that sells urns in Colma. Urns? What's urns? Yeah. Ur- ur- Urns are, are, are the containers, the vases that we put the ashes in. Oh, okay. So we, we work with a company up in Colma. That's why they make them there. So. <laughs> yeah, they act. They actually dug the dead up in San Francisco uh-huh. uh, many, many years ago, and they said, "Look, the real estate's too valuable." And they, I'm serious, they created a city called Colma, and that's oh, where darn. everyone is buried. Nobody is buried in San Francisco. Oh, they're they're in a the coma. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any joke? My, my jokes? Question, Go ahead. No, no, this is serious stuff. But here's here's a question for you. My wife says she's going to put on my tombstone. I should have listened to my wife. Is there any way I can stop that? <laughs> uh, no. 
Nope. Uh, well, I mean, you could do a pre-need. I mean, if you if you prepaid for it and had it all done ahead of time, uh, <laughs> right. by, by law, we're we're supposed to fulfill a, a, a pre-need contract. <laughs> so, yeah, you could actually put it all together in writing and have it all signed, sealed, and delivered, and they shouldn't be able to change fantastic, it. Fantastic. Fantastic. Or, or you can spend the rest of your life, what's left of your life, trying to convince her otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> Next question. Yes. Um, can I get a motion sensor on my grave that when someone goes by, it'll say, you're blocking my view? <laughs> well, it all depends what your view is. <laughs> <laughs> you may want it blocked. Last question. Okay. Last question. Nazareth, thank you for the time. Last oh, question. No I'm kind of a big guy. Do I need to go to Costco to get a bulk coffin, or do you have big ones? Oh, no. We, we, we can go... Three wide, four wide. You you let us know. We can go as wide as you need. What is it, a trailer? Or or or, or longer. I mean, I don't know how tall. Are you tall or wide? Uh, I, I used to shop at big and tall, but now I shop at short and wide. <laughs> we can accommodate either. Oh, that's funny. You're right. Double wide. Okay. Oh, yeah. But Costco, you have to buy like four or five caskets together. Yeah, right? you got to buy them in bulk. In bulk, so yeah. you have to kill some people. I mean, you have to take wait them for, with you. Yeah, don't die yet. <laughs> Let's die together and save. That's thank awesome. you so much, Chris. Thank day, you gentlemen. for your thank time, you man. man. I appreciate care, that. Chris. It's funny, like when you thank get you. comedian, like there's joke jokes. I mean, the only joke jokes that I know about death is like they ask people like what do you want people to say when they look in the casket yeah. and see you dead and the first one he said I wanted to look at me he said this was the greatest father the greatest husband that ever lived yeah. the other guy said I want him to look at me and say this is the greatest inventor that he contributed to society and the third guy he said what do you want him to say he said, I want him to say oh look he's still moving <laughs> <laughs> anybody moved during the no, not on not on my watch, Naz. I, I've heard stories out there, and so a story could be true or false. Uh-huh. So I, I don't want to really throw stories out there that I don't know factually it happened. I, I a, a story that had happened to a staff of mine at one time. So uh, it's true. Your staff, my it. staff saw it. That's they came back after they had go gone on a call. They had come back and said that they had witnessed that uh, a, a small infant had come back to life in the morgue at the hospital Crazy. when they were there. I don't know what happened after that incident, but the, the baby had come back to life for that moment while they were there and they took care of it. I don't know if the baby's still living today, but this was probably about seven or eight years ago. Mm. Yeah. That's interesting. Now, going going back to what people say in the caskets, though. Yes. You know, I... I I go to uh, Encore a lot at, at the church, and that's that's the group, all the senior ladies. I just spoke there. You know? Yeah. And every time I go there, because I drop off a cake once a month <laughs> for their birthdays, I celebrate. They sure. All celebrate is there something in the cake so no, when business is slow? <laughs> but all those little ladies, they all come up to me, Naz, and they're like, now when I die, I want you to make me look 20 years younger. <laughs> and I'm like, I can do that because I can do like Botox, you know. You can? Only if you're dead, though. Oh, you can't. <laughs> I can't do it if you're alive. What if someone acts like they're the but uh, no. Is it cheaper than going to a regular Botox? I think so. I I I can do it for pennies on the dollar. Because my dad, remember, they made him like he he rose. I've smooth. never seen my dad with makeup. He didn't look. I'm like, well, no, I don't want this. The last one to think to see my dad with rosy cheeks and, yeah. and eyeliners. Yeah, and, and there's there's we have a secret. Uh-huh. I, I might as well let, let Yeah, let it out. You Nobody wanna, knows except no, my fans. And they're very good, right, guys? Well, we, very, we believe at our place because there there's actually mortuary makeup. 
you know, it's like it's all this, like you said, the pink rosy stuff. Yeah. I just go up the street and buy regular makeup up the street. Oh. Like the makeup your your wife uses? Yeah. That's the same makeup I use. I just go up the street and get it at the store. Uh, you, like you go to Sephora, you go yeah. to Ulta. I get Ulta. the same makeup. Oh, so you know all about this makeup. Oh, yeah. I, I have to know about makeup. The foundation, the oh, yeah. base. The eyeliner. I get them at Home that. Depot, $12 a gallon. <laughs> the foundation. The foundations. <laughs> but you know what? It, this is funny because... Uh, when you guys, it doesn't matter what kind of day you're having, you can be having the greatest day in your life, and then when you go pick up a person, a body, you have to put that that face, and you have to know watch what you say, right? Yes. Yeah, you do need to know what you say, because um, this was back when I started over almost 25, 30 years ago. I had only met with oh, three or four families, and because the first six months or so, my dad, I had to go in and just observe but this was my second or third family that I had met with, and I came in to greet them, and I said, good morning. Ooh. And one of the, the ladies in the room said, what's so good about this morning? And I felt so small that day. Mm. I, my, my heart sunk. I said, oh, my goodness. Okay. And ever since that day, anytime I go in to meet with a family to start arrangements, I never say good day or good morning because it's not good on their end. You mm. know? So what do so you say? Hello? I just say hello. How can I help you today? What if someone said hello has the word hell in it? What are you trying to do? <laughs> <laughs> you, can, you know how some people come. Now you know it all depends. You know some people have a good spirit. They have strong faith, and and you know they're very accepting of of the loss of their loved one. So you really have to read every family that you're dealing with. So some you have to walk on eggshells because they're just so sensitive about the loss of their loved one. And then some are like, like you said, praise the Lord that they're no longer suffering. See, you know? that's, so that's the thing about as a Christian who knows where I'm going to go. Don't you think it's easier for the family who are believers than it is for non-believers? I do. I, I, I so deeply believe. Because I see families coming through my front door every day. Mm-hmm. And those that have strong faith get through the transition of death so much easier. It is. I mean, that's so true. Nothing to laugh about on that. Right. And that's where you can, you don't argue with people. Uh, are you Christians and you're religious? And the, No, it does. That's the big, like for me, when I accepted Christ and now, I, that's the best thing I gave my family. Yes. To them to know that if anything happens to me and I'm gone, where I'm going, they know where I'm going to be. Yes. So that's comforting, not just for me, for the whole family. That's right. Now, like, what's his name? Uh Alan, the comedian from the old days, I, I'm, I'm forgetting names, I just got off the plane, but he said, you know, I, I don't mind dying, I just don't want to be there when it happens. Exactly right. Yes. Uh, so, uh, here's a question sure. nobody asked you. What do you guys do with someone who is a donor? Like, I went to the DMV, I said, I want to be a donor. They looked at me and goes, no, thank you. <laughs> I'm, glad you I, I'm glad you brought up that question. You know, and that's become more popular, people being donors. And and I, I believe in the donor program. If if you can, if someone's body is in good enough shape, now I don't know if yours is <laughs> Right now I'm not. Dad, so, I don't they know said you, no, the DMV I and Riverside they, said, they, they no, we don't want now. any of you. But for donors, you know, if, if they can save a person's life and extend somebody else to have quality of life, I all believe in it. For those families that want that, we have the ability to basically put them back together. And so 
we do that because typically they're only taking the internal organs, mm. you know, the hearts, the livers, the lungs, and the eyes and things like that. So there are sometimes though that they might take bone and skin mm-hmm. because of for burn victims. And stuff. Yes. So we, then we need to take special circumstances of, of preparing the body so then we can still do a viewing. You can still do a viewing. Absolutely. We can still do a viewing. You guys are amazing. We so are? people shouldn't be scared of donating their body. No, parts, they can right? donate their bodies. Yep. You know, that's neat about American. Americans have this heart to donate. You know, in other countries, like third world countries, you people sell their sell body, their body parts. parts. Yeah. Yeah. And then I was just thinking about that. I was like, what would be the name of the stores? Like uh, Head and Shoulder, <laughs> Slim Limbs, <laughs> the, the Gland Stand, or Bed Bath and Bowels. I, I don't know. I think this is how we think as communities. Like, oh, ooh, really? People sell. Their, is it? And this is. I don't know if this is true or not. But I heard that if you're in the emergency room and and you're like really dying, yes. If they find out you're a donor, they don't. They don't try to save you as much is this true or that i don't know i yeah. don't think i don't think so yes but they do keep you if if they know you're a donor even if you're not a donor um they'll keep you uh, they'll keep you alive they'll keep you on life support right. to keep your organs alive until they know that you're not needed you're not needed yeah, yeah. yeah. uh what do you call it here's a question is uh, is it have you ever personally mm-hmm. been emotional when you went to a funeral and some stranger, is it because the age of the person is tough? Yeah, you know, I say young, you know, it's always tough to see younger people pass away and, and die because you always feel like maybe their life wasn't fulfilled. You mm-hmm. know, there there's a reason why we're all here and we have a certain length. We all have that time. And you wonder if, if their life was cut short, what difference they could have made in the future. Mm-hmm. And so there's sometimes that I feel... When there are certain people, you wonder why they left early. You know, they were cut short. You know, and we don't know why. And yeah, sometimes it. it you know, we're all human, and we get it. Right. Spark in our heart, and I know about it. tear in the eye. I, you know, I never tear up in front of a family. You got to be strong for them. Mm. So, as my my people, my staff, my employees, when we're with families and stuff, we're we're the strong, stoic one. But once you once we go behind closed doors, then you know, then we might get a oh, little Really? Emotional. I thought it's the other way. If they see you crying, that means you're feeling with them. And no, we're oh, here for them to cry on our shoulders to be the strong one, to be the comforter. So how? I mean, you go into a home and someone just died, and yeah, yeah. how? What? When you leave, okay, you're finished your shift, or for yep. you're the owner, so you're always yep. there. And I remember, I I know we we were in the same Bible study, mm-hmm. and sometimes you have to get up at four and three in the morning. Yeah. You get a call, you have to go do it yourself. Mm-hmm. What when you're done with that? What lifts you up? What makes you smile again? And I I think at first when I I first started this long time ago, I I was more sensitive to it mm-hmm. over time I've gotten it's not that I've gotten more or less sensitive to them I, I still have uh, compassion and empathy towards them but I try to disassociate myself so I don't get so personal into it mm-hmm. when I first started as a funeral director back in when I was in the beginning I had a hard time leaving the grave with the family I didn't want to leave until they left Oh, because I felt like I didn't complete my job you know, I wanted to make sure that they were taken care of. 
and I always had a hard time saying goodbye. Like, you know, bye, bye. I'm, oh. I'm like, I'm, I'm leaving you. And I always had a hard time having that separation. Right. It took probably eight or nine years for me to finally feel comfortable on saying, you know, thank you for uh, giving me the opportunity to serve your family. I'm, I'm going to be leaving at this time. But it took a long time for me to feel comfortable to do that because I always, I just wanted to like keep serving them type of thing. It's like I didn't want to leave. See, we never, you know what? You brought the humanity in this. I've, yeah. We, you know, I've been to so many funerals and I've spoke at several funerals, and but I've never, I've never, see, you know, I never thought of that director that he's going through that and he's yeah. feeling that way. Now the whole funeral procedure. Why do you guys use a limousine? Well, we 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 use a, a hearse for the for the body, and then the limousine is for the living. No, the hearse. The, the, the hearse. hearse the Why hearse. is it always a Cadillac? Like, oh, I arrived finally. I got That's my right. Cadillac. That's right. You want the Cadillac, don't you? I it mean, doesn't if, matter. If, He's if you're dead. driving the Hyundai your whole life or, or the Kia, you want to go out in a, a Cadillac, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's funny because uh, you, you know. Uh, and it always have like the cards behind it. The family follows, yeah. you know, and then they always slap this funeral sticker on each car. Yeah. And those cars now they follow depending on how close you are to the family. You start driving. That's right. And if someone tries, like someone like in regular traffic doesn't know about the funeral, and tries to get in there, I've seen cars was like push him, like hit his bumper. Get out! You don't know him. You don't. You're not sad as we are. Well, we we've had that. We've had people like strangers pull into a procession and then make a turn and then everybody else follows the other <laughs> car and then we've lost half of them it's happened really that is funny and, yes. and <laughs> it's the most it's happened a lot of <laughs> and then you have the the two motorcycle guys that feel and they're like they're like god way? they tell god what to do they, <laughs> you can't do any, no no red light no nothing and i'm thinking okay if i ever have enough money i'm gonna buy one of those hearse cars yep. And then have hired two of these motorcycle guys. So whenever I'm going to work, I can get there fast. fast. I don't need to stop for red that, light. No, that's the best thing. That's a good idea. <laughs> that is funny. So uh, what do you call it? And then uh, with the, what do you call it? That There was uh, like one time I was in Montana. Yeah. And in Montana, most people die by crashing into a deer on an elk. Yeah. And I'm like, so I did my show and I was driving like at 11 at night to the hotel near the airport. And it was, and uh, the pastor said, Nazareth, just remember, there's a lot of people who died because they crashed into a deer. Like, really? This beautiful Bambi is going to kill me? <laughs> I never thought I will die by, and then, die by like, animal. yeah, I don't, you know, I want people, I want CNN to talk about my death, not Animal Planet, <laughs> but, it, but I mean, they said this deer will come in and look like an actor from Hollywood. The minute they see the lights, they yeah. stop and smile and <laughs> stare at you, and that's when you hit them, and if they're big like oh an elk, and there's, you see a lot of crosses on the road, and I was like, okay, that was one of the first times, like, I'm going to die. I'm going to die here in Montana. Wow. No, I want to die in Corona. <laughs> but uh, you're, ma- you know, he, you and Rhonda yes. were married for 25 Five years. years. Yes. I love Rhonda. She was in the Bible study with us. Yes. And uh, three years before she went to be with the Lord, mm-hmm. we found out that she had stage four cancer. Mm-hmm. Yes. But she was one of those strong personalities that she wanted to decide to go healthy without the chemo. That is correct. 
and she tried all these oils and all these vitamins and stuff. Yes. What was the last three years as a husband? Number one, doing what you do, you you deal with dead people every day. Yes. But to know that your wife <clears throat> is dying, mm -hmm. what was that like? My thing when my wife found out she had stage four cancer and she was wanting to treat herself the way she did, I was supporting her on whatever her decision was. That's because it takes a support team. Mm. Did I believe in everything she did? Maybe not all the time. But did I tell her that? No. Because I supported her in all her decisions on the way she treated herself. And I think that's what any spouse could do. If, if, if their loved one is going through a terminal illness, you only support them on what they want to do. Because the decision, you might make decisions together, but it's ultimately that person with the cancer's decision to make. So I was always there supportive. I would drive her to her doctor's appointments. I would uh, take care of her at home. I would, anything that she needed, I was her caregiver during the, about the three years, three and a half years of, of her, her treating her cancer. So what was it like? You come home from work, you're dealing with these families who lost their loved ones, and it's depressing, it's stressful, and you know what you're coming into at home? It, it was just as stressful. You know, it's it's almost that I, I, you know, she lived a strong life up until the last couple of weeks. I mean, I she was, that. I mean, she was even at Bible study, you know, three or four weeks before she died. Mm -hmm. So she, w I mean, and she, she drug her, she, she prayed to God every day to get her up and out of the house and to the food pantry or to church or whatever she would get up and, and do it because she knew if she kept going, that would keep her going she was amazing, amazing she was she was i remember every email she sent to me she said by his stripes yep. i'm healed yep and i was telling you i said uh, Rhonda, and i i believe god's gonna heal you and when he's gonna heal you you're coming with me on the road to do your testimony she goes yep. whatever god wants to do I'm, yep. I'm okay with it so she left you with colin and uh reagan and reagan and they're just wonderful kids yes they are now uh colin is following on your footsteps now possibly he's he's he just graduated san diego state doing in, what in what business? in business, business administration so now i i told him i didn't want him to go directly into the family business he he has definitely showed an interest but i said you know you need to go out into the real world and and see if that what's out there mm. just like my parents didn't force me into the funeral business they allowed me to go into the restaurant and hotel business for several years until I found out it wasn't as rewarding. So I want Colin to find out the same thing. I want him to go out and, and try different things and to go out there and adventure. And then if he says someday, Dad, I want to come back into the business, then I'm here to work with him side by side and, and to have him continue the family business. But what did he do today? What did he do today? He got up at 4.30 this morning and drove almost up to Colma. He drove <laughs> up near Gilroy uh -huh. to the San Joaquin National Cemetery for a graveside service at 9.30. So it took him five hours to drive up there, and he's just about ready to pull into Corona now. So, so why? Was it, is it work for him? or it's Well, right now he, he doesn't have full employment, so he helps me around the funeral home whenever I need his help. So he helps out. So, today, so this is one of the clients, your clients, the five was, hours away? Yeah, one of our families, they wanted to be buried at the National Cemetery up in uh, in Northern California. Oh, okay. So, so, yeah. so the, their loved one died here in Corona, but oh, they okay. wanted to be buried up north. And so we drove them up north to be buried. 
Okay, yeah. so you guys, yeah, people can. We service. The, we go to Las Vegas a lot, Phoenix, Arizona. We'll we'll drive about five to eight hours. You know, we'll drive up to the Bay Area for gravesides. We'll pick people up, bring them back here. You know, a lot of accidents happen out at the river, Colorado River. Oh, so we'll go out to to you know Bullhead City, Laughlin. When people pass away, we'll bring them back to Corona. So we go all over Southern California and serve people. Interesting. And you sometimes you drive alone in the car with a dead body in the back. Yeah, sometimes. But yes. we can't take the carpool lane. You can't. <laughs> <laughs> it's not two people. Really? It, it is true. Somebody was actually on Facebook a couple of weeks ago. There was some, some guy driving <laughs> down the freeway with the casket in the back, and he got pulled over by the CHP. And he said, well, I've got a body, and the CHP says, <laughs> no, no, it doesn't count. It doesn't. Oh, it yeah, doesn't. otherwise people, everybody would have a dead body. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Everybody keep their loved ones. <laughs> yeah. Keep on ice. <laughs> <laughs> that is funny. That is funny. Uh, what do you call it? Um, what, do you, what do you say to a pastor mm-hmm. or uh, someone, a social worker, okay. uh, that deals with you know, having to deal with all this stress and negativity and hardship, uh, what do you tell them? You know, how? Because you're mm-hmm. you're happy. You you you, you well, put the fun in funeral. I do put the fun in funeral, but the thing is, it just I think that's that's God gave me that personality. Mm. I think it's just in me. You you can't learn it. Trade. You got to just have it in your heart, and I think that's maybe I see so much death and depression and sadness that it's like I just leave that at work so mm-hmm. when I get out of work I just want to be happy and fun and enjoy life because you never know when your last day is going to be that's true you know and it just like you know I had my wife for 25 years you know, you know she was 49 years old when she died you know yeah you don't you, you never know when your last day you is you don't plan on you that. don't plan on it so ever since she passed away I, I I look at life a little bit more precious and I start starting to enjoy life because my my dad died when he was 67 mm. he was in a, a, a boating accident he drowned oh, he had just retired so he didn't get to enjoy life either i mean he went on his first long eight-week vacation and he died three weeks into it mm. so for me it's like you know what you never know when life's going to be taken away so you got to live every day to the fullest and and you still got to work but you got to make sure you have time for family and fun that's that's a that's a good word. That's a good encouragement to people because yeah, yeah you can't just uh, deal with sadness and just bring it home with you no. and have to deal with it. And now you're a you're a single man. Yep. You're dating yes. again, and yes. you're just uh, that. You know, I admire you. Really, I admire you because well, you. I'm a comedian, and sometimes I let things get to me. And I was like, I've come home with that, but I mean. But if I have a great show and people like last night, people were just screaming, laughing. Yeah. And I came home. I'm, I'm in a great mood. That's Sometimes awesome. the show, I mean, after 30 years, you're still you're still funny and you do a great job. But it's not like, you know, and you go, ah, I don't like this show. The people were this or I was that. But you you can't bring it home with you. No. Now, uh, what do you call it? Uh, there's a lot of people listening right now. And I want to. Why Why should they come to Thomas Miller Mortuary? Why should they come to us? Well, the reason I got back into this business is I wanted to keep it family-owned and operated. Mm-hmm. And because I think being family-owned and operated, we, we keep it personalized. Um, and that's why I, I do what I've done. And that's why the people I've hired, my staff, they're compassionate people. They love to do what they do too. 
uh, and we're like an extended family. When, when your family comes to us, we're inviting you into our home. Our funeral home is your home. Mm. And we're here to uh, memorialize your loved one to make it a special remembrance. No matter if they're you know young or old, it's been a life that's been well-lived or well-cherished. And we want to memorialize that. And we want to customize it so each individual has their own special tribute of mm. memory, you know, to, to memorialize that person. And some people don't know, like you, you just had a, a funeral for a baby that was, uh, you know, not born yet, but mm-hmm. it was full term. Yeah. So you guys, those are hard. They're really hard. And, 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 you know, when my staff has to meet with a family that loses a child, it's, it's tough because some of my funeral directors have lost children too. And so it's, it makes it sensitive to them, you know, and, and for me, you know, I, I was in the funeral business for 25 years until my dad died. I never really lost, I lost a grandparent, but I never lost a parent or a spouse. Mm. I really never knew what it felt like until I lost my dad. And I knew that I lost a parent, that I had that feelings of knowing what people were going through. Then when I lost my wife, Mm. now I know what really people when they come in and they've lost their wife or their husband I know what they're feeling now and so it makes it that much more personalized knowing that I've gone through it knowing what they're going through that's right and you know uh, to me I remember when I I was a comedian in Hollywood and I was doing all it was very successful and things were great and then when I walked into a church and I knew that Jesus loves me, and I know for sure. I always end my show with this: I like God is a good father, mm-hmm. and a good you know I'm a, I'm an okay father. My little girl Tally, when I drop her at school, mm-hmm. me you know in the morning, or I don't tell her. You know what? Maybe we'll pick you up today. I don't know if we don't have anything. No, a, a, a dad will say no. I my daughter knows beyond any doubt that I'm going to be there for her when she finishes school. Yeah. Well, our Heavenly Father is a good Father. And He already made sure that the Bible stays, regardless of how many people dislike it and want to remove it. Mm -hmm. It's still there to tell you, hey, I'm going to be there in that moment. When you're done, Mm -hmm. you're going to be with me. Yes. And that's what the encouragement, and you've heard throughout this podcast today, that you know what? If you're a believer, if you believe in Jesus Christ, that He died for you, rose again from the dead, that one day you'll be with Him in heaven, that's... That's comforting to you and your family and your loved ones to know that this is your hope. Because yeah. that's all it takes is faith in what Jesus did. And that gives you the hope. And, mm-hmm. and from a funeral home director himself that tells you going into a Christian home where they really believers, that believe that this is where their loved one is, it's a lot easier. Yes, it's sad to lose one yes. and you miss them. But to know that. So I hope you were encouraged today with uh, what Chris was sharing about uh, living with his wife the last three years before she left, uh, uh, went to be with the Lord, and just dealing with families every day and children and all that. So I hope that was encouraging to you. We tried to bring some laughter yeah. and humor to it. We, Absolutely. Because we can laugh. Uh, sure. But. Uh, but you know what? We couldn't avoid the the serious questions and the que- the important questions. And I know we don't have any listeners right now, which is fine, uh, because we're ready to close this well, show. We have listeners. We just don't have callers. Oh, we have <laughs> listeners, but we don't have callers. Because yes. I know they're all busy and working, and we I, I don't see any questions on Facebook. So, so with that, we're just gonna 
we're gonna close this episode right. i just want to let you know guys if you want to uh just subscribe to laughter for all podcast and uh, you can go to my website nazarethusa.com or you can be on facebook at comedian nazareth or twitter at nazman please let your friends know let let your loved ones know hey this is clean this is funny this is encouraging we have some serious issue uh, stuff we deal with but it's really encouraging and funny at the end of the day. I want to thank comedian John Campbell for his contribution today. But uh, we thank you, Chris. Thank you. How can thank you. how can they get a hold of your merch story? Well, we have two locations. We have our main location in Corona and then in Riverside. But you can go to our website at thomasmillermortuary.com. Uh-huh. And uh, we're available 24-7. ThomasMillerMortuary.com. And hopefully you don't have to deal to use it. But you, what do you tell people to prepare? They say, Let's say they have an elderly parent living they, at home. Yep. If, if anybody is elderly or wanting to pre-plan, I always tell it's important to pre-plan prior to retirement. Because while you still have some income, if you want to set that money aside for the future, then you want to make sure you have it taken care of. So your kids don't have or That's right. So there's not a burden on the rest of the family. And that doesn't change. So you, if it goes, it's more expensive. That's right. It locks it in, and then it grows. The money grows in a little uh, oh, like really? insurance plan. Yes, money oh. grows there. So then, then it comes back to the family at the time when the person dies. Okay, so they might uh, save some money. Yeah. Hey. Yeah, you you pay today's price, but you live twenty five years. You don't pay the the inflation. That's a good business. Where's Dave Ramsey when you need him? There you go. Okay, guys. So start <laughs> planning for your funeral now, and uh, maybe in thirty years. When you go be with the Lord, you leave something for your kids. There you go. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Yes, for thank you on. very much. Oh, Pleasure I to be you, here. I love you, man. You're amazing. God bless you. Thank you, guys. We'll see you next week. And if you're in Bakersfield this weekend, uh, this weekend at uh, Friday, September 20th, I'm going to be at uh, Canyon Hills doing the Laughter for All. It's a free event. It's already got 1,250 people coming, so we have room for you. Go to laughterforall.org. God bless you. Thank you. I love you.